The holidays are here and out goes the cash. Consumers already feeling the pain amid sky-high inflation. Average spending per person is expected to hit more than $830. It's not just the cost of presents, the staples of the season too. Ornaments, lights, menorahs, and wreaths, all of it adding up. Last year, consumers spent about $350 on non-gift holiday items like decorations, wrapping paper, and cards. This morning, U.S. migration facilities operating on overdrive in El Paso as hundreds of migrants cross the border in a matter of hours. Parents tiptoeing through the river, children in tow, praying upon arrival, others forced to wait for hours under a looming border fence. In a year filled with mass migration to the U.S., this stands out. Migrants just a stone's throw from downtown El Paso, burning whatever they can to stay warm overnight. Migrant facilities at capacity here, forcing Border Patrol to transfer migrants to other parts of the border. A senior Homeland Security official calling the situation, quote, an absolute mess. Daily apprehensions now averaging 2,400 plus in the El Paso sector over the last few days. This ahead of next week's possible end of Title 42, a Trump-era policy that allows for the immediate expulsion of migrants without allowing them to seek asylum. Here we are going into the third year of it, and we are still Mm -hmm. in the middle of a pandemic with the numbers that you just showed. He also uh, went on media and talked about how he wants to kick off members like Adam Schiff from the Intelligence Committee. So a focus on revenge, a focus on irrelevant committees, and a focus on irrelevant investigations does not help uh, the American family. And so we urge that he doesn't go down these stupid dark paths and work with Democrats. When you look at your voting record and the issues that are important to you as spelled out on your website, most of them are traditional Democratic issues, capital, capital D, uh, expanding health care access, uh, abortion rights, LGBTQ rights, um, path for dreamers, and on and on, uh, environmentalism, uh, green energy. That sounds like a Democrat to me, no? Well. I know this is really hard for lots of folks, especially in D.C., but what's important to me is to not be, to not be tethered by the partisanship that dominates politics today. Independent Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Senator, at first, you are an independent. She is now the third official independent of the U.S. Senate, uh, joining you and Angus King of Maine. What do you think of her decision and also what you just heard in her interview with Jake? I don't want to spend a whole lot of time uh, on Senator Sinema. She has her reasons. Uh, Donna, I happen to suspect that it's probably a lot to do uh, with politics back in Arizona. I think uh, the Democrats there are not all that enthusiastic about somebody who helps sabotage some of the most important legislation that protects the interests uh, of working families and voting rights and, and so forth. Sandra, let's bring in Jonathan Turley, George Washington University law professor and a Fox News contributor. So, Jonathan, the question everybody's asking today is, Sam Bankman-Fried was supposed to appear before that committee. It would have been via remote while he was still in the Bahamas. But the feds said to the Bahamian authorities, pick him up for us, please. They complied. Did, <laughs> did the feds not want him to testify today? I mean, put your sleuthing hat on here. Why would they arrest him on the eve of his testimony? Well, this is the first time in my memory that prosecutors, rather than a defense attorney, stop someone from making self-incriminating statements. 
Uh, this was a windfall opportunity for the prosecutors. He was willing to go forward with hours of rather hostile cross-examination on every detail in the case. Why wouldn't you want that to happen? That's all admissible. He hadn't been arrested. I quite honestly don't care because I respect their uh, opinion and their choice to select anybody that they want uh, to be their candidate. I mean, do we really live in a country where um, you can't freely support whoever you want? Is that, I mean, is that what you're suggesting? And is it their prerogative to ask for that? You know, I respect their opinion and I'm certainly not going to hide from my opinion. Uh, and. And I shouldn't be asked to. If, if I am asked to, I live in a different country than um, we were all told that we grew up in. So to Africa's young leaders, I say, I am an optimist about what lies ahead for Africa and by extension for the world. Because of you, because of your energy, your ambition, and your ability to transform seemingly intractable problems into opportunities. Simply put, your ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been. Welcome back one and all to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 112 here on Wednesday morning, December 14th. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Mike McKenna, unburdened by what has been. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she is just the gift that continues to give. Uh, Of course, this is uh, her speaking at the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit, which has been clogging up all of our roads. I'm totally in favor of that, but could we have had it out in the middle of nowhere in Dulles Airport or something? Because it's been a damn disaster here in town. it has been pretty ridiculous. I hope everything goes well, but get out of the city. All right. First clip, sky-high inflation still upon us, even though Biden keeps telling us the world keeps getting better and better. It's all fine. Uh, Two things – Struck me there. Who only spends eight hundred dollars on gifts? Yeah, seriously, man. I don't know. I, I mean, there's no. There's. I feel like that's a little bit low, but this I haven't, could be. I haven't escaped with Christmas under yeah. under eight hundred bucks yeah. since I was probably twenty years old. Uh, I just I want to make sure people understand here uh, that we are overall CPI numbers are plus seven percent year over year. Gas is up ten percent year over year. Fuel oil, 65%. Electricity, 13%. Groceries, 12 Break that down. Chicken, 12 Milk, 14 Eggs, 49 Potatoes, 16 Baby food, 10 Airfare, 36 Okay. We are not like, you know, just because it's lower than it might have been six months ago does not mean we're still not shelling out. Several hundred dollars a year just to live. It's the Biden administration's argument. I think that's going to be their campaign model for 2024. We're not as bad as we were for the first year or so. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. Uh, immigration at the border uh, down in the West Texas town of El Paso. Yeah. Where I fell in love with a Mexican girl. It was actually Marty Robbins' birthday like two days ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah, man. I didn't know that. Oh, one. yeah. I should have picked that up in my research. Not his actual name. His actual name was like Martin David Robinson, but he, he shortened it. So um, Jake Sullivan 
appeared before the press corps and said, we are fully aware of the, uh, we, we have a, a firm control over who's coming in to, to the country at the border. Okay. So what, what he's saying is they've been letting two and a half million people in there illegally, like since day one. And also- That, that was intentional. Uh, it wasn't accidental. And or... also, when is Title 42 ending? When is the Trump- Title 42. When does uh, it expire? Isn't it already expired? It no, expire? I think they announced that they're ending it, but I oh. think it's coming at the end of the year, maybe. I think that's right. Somewhere somewhere now. So after that, yeah, none of these people will be sent back. That's right. None of them. Well, none of them are being sent back now. Right. I mean, you know, <clears> they, this. The, I, I, but here's what I don't understand about this story. It's the same story we've been reading now for two years. These By guys, the way, just- for, for our listeners, this was not Fox. This was Good Morning America. Yeah. It, 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 with George Steph- Snuffleupagus. Snuffleupagus. So. It doesn't matter, right? I mean, I, I, I saw, I, saw a, 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 I think it was at AP, right? Hey, 8,000 people a day. Well, you know what? You do the math on that. It's a little north of two and a half million a year, which is essentially the clip we've been running since the Biden guy showed up. I mean, I, I, 8,000 a day, 30,000 a month, whatever, you know, 240,000 a month, however you want to metric it. It's the same number. It's the same set of numbers. It, it's the good news is it's under control. The president didn't have to go see it. Right. Everything's cool. Okay, Doctor Fauci. Yeah, we, we are in the middle. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, <laughs> when let it, let it this, go? Why let is he still go. talking? I can, I don't know. Why is he still going on I, shows? I thought he was leaving. I, he, I think he is. I thought leaving. he wasn't into politics. He, he, I, you know, it. He won't go away. I don't understand it. I'm like, dude, you had your time. Step aside. Move over. It's over. It's a pandemic, Tom. Pandemic. We're in the middle of a th- in the middle. We're in the middle. In the middle. In the middle. We're in the middle of a flu season, for God's sake. Um, okay, so House Democratic Chair Ted Lieu yeah. urges Republicans not to go down any stupid dark paths and just work with them. Yeah. You know, I was worried about this, and I, I, know I, I know I wrote at least one and maybe two columns about this when the Democrats, um, when Speaker Pelosi, uh, within a month, of, within six weeks of each other, refused to accept the Republicans' um, appointments to the January 6th commission, a committee. And then um, she took, uh, she took- uh, M- uh, MTG off. Congresswoman Taylor Gosar too, I think. Yeah, it was Paul Gosar, thank you. That was the name I couldn't yeah. remember. Yeah, kicked them both off their committee assignments. And at the time I was like, this is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We're all going to wind up blind and toothless. So of course, Kevin McCarthy is um, now- in a circumstance where he has to do the same thing. Well, of course. Because he can't be speaker unless he does the same thing. Ted is right. Um, Ted would have been better to have been right back two years ago when this whole thing started. Well, um, it's all it's it's typical, however. The Democrats can do all of these things and then turn around and implore Republicans not to do stupid dark things. The other thing is, is that the only time anything in this town is bipartisan is when Republicans cross over and support Democrat stuff. Wow. 
I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't I, recall, I, except I, I for argue, maybe welfare reform back I, I when would, the Republicans took Congress in I would argue that the only time anything is bipartisan is when they're teed up, both teed up to, to drill the taxpayers. Right. Or some, um, yeah, right. Yeah. To that, spend the, more money. We'll get into that later. I'm going to, I'm going to, so. you know what, I'm going to, before next week, I'm going to, and I know this is now my second assignment that I'm probably not going to get to. I, I got to go back and look and see if Ted Lewis said anything back two years ago when Pelosi started this thing. I bet you he didn't. It It is a terrible precedent and what's going to wind up and, – and I'll tell you why and you know this. Um, it corrodes the committee system. We're eventually not going to have a committee system because if, 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 if you can't pick your own guys and place them on committees – then no one's going to eventually want to play on the committees, right? This thing is going to- Yeah, I don't know about this that. This is going to- I guarantee- You get on ANC, you can quote unquote raise more money. I guarantee you, this is going to spread. And eventually, no one- The committees are just going to be parliamentary outfits, right? Where you're going to have Republican committees and Democratic committees, and that'll be that. Well, we already have some of that, right? We have like- that Republicans had their own quote forums where yeah. they would yes. like you know sound yeah. off on issues and it's stuff essentially like that. shadow so, stuff yeah it's a bad but, you idea. know the whole thing is as you've talked about it we've talked about with the tribalism and voting yeah man. is we are moving towards that system yeah um, and, and you know it, it's it's great it'd be a great I mean I'm sure somebody's doing it out of political science land I've never seen a situation where a bunch of people devalued their own currency right but here we are. They've been doing it how how many years now we've been talking about it's this. It's been going on for so, at least we'll 30 years. We'll get into yeah. further evidence of that. Anyway, um, so Ted, congratulations. I hope you were there two years ago, but I bet you I can't yeah. find that. I bet you that's not going to show up. Yeah. Don't be stupid and dark Republicans. Just work with Democrats and the world will be fine. Uh, S- Senator Kirsten Cinema switched parties in a very – orchestrated manner, had a nice video, uh, morning in America, morning in Arizona, yada, yada, yada. Um, So she's not going to attend the um, Democrat caucus meetings or lunch or whatever the hell it is, but she hasn't been anyway. Yeah, she's skipped them for the last six Um, months now. So uh, this is interesting. (laughs) Well, of course, I played the Bernie clip. Bernie welcomed her to Independence Land. <laughs> um, yes, uh, I don't think people she's in a Arizona. Terrible person. I don't think people I don't in Arizona. really give a crap if she's an independent. <laughs> I love that guy. He's so, like, he's so like my here, favorite senator now. This is a good development in one aspect from my perspective. There are what twenty-one of the thirty-three seats. Twenty-three. Twenty-three of the thirty-three seats yep. next cycle that the Democrats have to defend. Yep. Including Ohio, Montana. Uh, who are the? What are the big three? Bob Casey in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, Bob right? Casey in Pennsylvania. A, you know, that seat in Arizona, the West Virginia seat, right? The Joe Manchin seat. Yeah, Joe Manchin. Yeah. Um, it, it's we a, talked about the fact that Warnock coming in gives them the ability to vote no on a bunch of stuff you know, to trade off their no votes. Yeah, this tightens that a little bit, I think, because I think she's gonna, you know, vote no more often, probably now. Um, uh, yeah, I have to also think that it's going to complicate. I don't think this I, – I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Senator Manchin does something like this. Well, he said hell no. Well, he didn't actually. He said, I don't know who is more independent than me. So He, he you know, he, he, what, he, what he, no, he, he typically did his yes and no. That's He's right. Like a good senator, never, he said, well, I'm thinking ever about not given himself that's the ability right. to go one way or the other. I, it, so. um, yeah, I think it's – I think it, it – it, 
makes Senator Schumer's math a little more complicated on ticklish votes. Yeah. But, you know, truth of the matter is she's probably always going to be difficult anyway. Um, now, freed from the necessity of winning in a Democratic primary, she's going to be right. more difficult for Schumer and than she would And who's the guy running uh, in that seat? In the Democratic? Yeah, Gallego. Gallego. Yeah, Ruben Gallego. I saw his statement. Gonna, he's he's as a as a member of the military, I served Arizonans. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't. You know, I'm like, I thought, I'm like, I don't understand any of that. Is that the Arizona militia he, that you he, were a member he, of? He, the, he, when he was in the Marine Corps, he defended Arizona. Yeah. Right? Did you see that statement? I that did. was ridiculous. I did. So, it, 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 oddly enough, of course, Arizona's being invaded by. Um, Two million right. People Why don't you go get to work? Year. Right? I don't like, hear your statement if, about about if, immigration. If, if you were if you were in charge of defending yeah. Arizona from foreign invasion, you failed. Right. Um, it, it's twenty twenty four is going to just be a very very odd election. We are heading towards some really <sighs> weird weird things, and I, I it's I, I don't know what to think about any of it. Okay, so Sam Bankman Fried's hearing. Uh, in the banking committee, yeah, was on again, off again. Uh, Maxine Waters was who was a top recipient of of his money, yeah. Uh, during the election cycle, uh, was went silent for a while there, but then said, "No, I don't know what you're talking about. We're having a hearing. Damn it!" Then <laughs> on the eve, the eve before he was scheduled to testify. And Jonathan Turley summarized my feelings about this rather succinctly. The feds ordered him to be arrested well, so that he now no longer will be testifying. Yeah, the feds asked the the feds asked uh, the Bahamas, Bahamas guys to to arrest him. It, you know, I've been listening to this thing. I've been watching this thing for the last week. You, you know, the two words that have been rolling around in my head on this guy. This guy's Jeffrey Epstein. He's, you know, he's, 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 you know, he, he is, has to be considered at high risk to be, you know, suicided in custody. I mean, he, he just, there's a lot of people who have a lot of vested interest in making sure that he doesn't like ever get a chance to squeal. Right. And he was uh, squawking on DMs uh, right about shortly after the bankruptcy stuff. Yeah. Which probably scared the hell out of everybody in this town, uh, it, right? It, 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 so it, the Ukraine stuff is tied into this. Top, ladies and gentlemen, this is the top donor, the number one donor to the Democratic Party in the last cycle. Yeah. This is stinks no, to high heaven. Well, it's it's like I said, I I if if he turns up dead in custody. I will find that to be the least surprising news of 2022. How about if I say it that way? Uh, and speaking of the deceased, uh, the clip that you heard um, towards the end there was um, a football legend, Coach Mike Leach, who um, passed away of a heart attack. And I didn't know much about him. Our producer, Alex, uh, brought this to my attention. So, Alex, why don't you uh, give us a what's his story? Sure. Three quick things on Mike Leach. So first, um, as you can tell from the clip, he was kind of a guy who marched to his own beat, uh, wasn't afraid to wade into politics and say what was on his mind. Uh, two, he was a winner, uh, coached at Texas Tech, Washington State, and Mississippi State. Not exactly uh, elite programs, and he 
kind of took pride in the fact that the elite programs didn't want much to do with them and took those programs to um, success. Um, and finally, uh, he was an innovator. He never played the sport, um, came in and got an opportunity to coach at the JUCO level and kind of ran with it and uh, ended up inventing the air raid offense, which completely changed college football. And uh, just a great American success story. So. Well, God rest your soul, Mr. Leach. And uh, of course, during the prep uh, for the podcast, I brought this up with Mr. McKenna, who never has <laughs> forward pass should be outlawed. Who never has a, a an opinion that <laughs> forward pass should be outlawed. It's the worst thing okay. that ever happened to football. Mike wants to eliminate the forward pass. I mean, in, I like in I, the I, U.S. football. I mean, I think Coach Le- Coach Leach was an interesting guy and all that other stuff. But seriously, forward pass is the worst thing that ever happened to football. <laughs> All right, no, we're gonna we're no gonna basically it. we're it, it, gonna go back things, to rugby. Everything that's bad about football nowadays, everything you hate, the fact that quarterbacks are basically ballerinas out there and can't be hit, the fact that receivers can't get hit crossing the middle, hey, that stuff, the fact that you can't jam a guy in the line Josh of scrimmage. Allen throws and runs, and God he sake. runs into people. Well, so see, there you go. So you're said no matter what happens. Uh, don't give me anyway, any of that, so. all that roughing the passer stuff, roughing the passer. As recently as 15 years ago, it's okay if you killed the guy on the field. All <laughs> yeah, that they stuff. They also didn't have helmets in uh, hockey. <laughs> Remember Gordy Howe's grandfather? Hockey was a lot. Hockey, hockey was a lot better so, before helmets. You want me to explain the helmet thing in hockey? No, do you, you don't do you? We got a lot to cover. <laughs> you want to save it? All nah. right. Okay, so the uh, the closing music was provided by, of course, Vince Garaldi Trio. Who is the you know Charlie Brown Christmas? Yeah, man. So it's great music. All right, do it's you have any... It's literally the only CD I still have. It's great. Yeah. Do you? Uh, we're gonna play that tonight at, at our holiday at our Christmas party this evening. So, uh, okay. So, any announcements from you today? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I just want to thank Hillary for being kind enough to um, host us for dinner last night and. Um, and uh, for not being unduly aggressive on feedback when we asked for it. <laughs> also, I, she put Lou in his place last night. Which at, was fun at to one watch. Point, fun to watch. Recall. I do want to thank Hillary, too. And I want to thank her for hosting this now annual dinner at the Saulgrave Club. And as a, his, fond, a, a student of history, I looked up the history of the Saulgrave Club was a 20th uh, century residence called the Wadsworth House from millionaire farmer from Western New York, Herbert Wadsworth. That was his summer mansion. And it is one of the, here we have one of the only two remaining mansions on DuPont Circle is uh, the, the, the now Saulgrave Club. Yeah, so, the Hoyrick And the architect was from Buffalo also. So shout out to Western New York. I would explain a lot. <laughs> it's a beautiful place absolutely it was a fun part okay i also want to thank mike for lunch yesterday it was great to see him again um we gushed all over him last week so i'm not going to get into that true um and i do want to uh also what's every uh, five years is enough i also would like to uh acknowledge or, or to say so the folks understand that there's a one week ago a border patrol agent named raul gonzalez was killed in the line of duty as he was working at the border and our president still hasn't said a word about it. So God rest your soul, 
border agent, Raul Gonzalez, for doing what you do or doing what you did. Okay, um, this day in history. Oh boy. Okay. 1799. December 14th, right? December 14th, 1799. George Washington dies. Boom! Yeah. Did you look that up? Nope. Are you are you starting to look up this stuff? Nope. Because you're getting a lot of them lately. Nope. The only thing that happened in 1799, it was just a yep. na- natural guess. The American Revolutionary Leader and First President of the United States died at Mount Vernon at the age of six, the tender age of 67, 67. for a founding father. He was a child. So He was a child. I don't know what you can say. I mean, what, what do you say, right? What do you mean? What do you say about George Washington? Founder of our nation. First and greatest president. Right. I mean, every, it's all been said, but. Uh, you know, the, 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 the person who set the tone for the entire country. Um, what else did, you know, father of the country is, is not an exaggeration in this case. Absolutely. Uh, of his presidency, George Washington said, I walk on untrodden ground. There is scarcely any part of my conduct which may not hereafter be drawn in precedent. You, keep, you know, it's, it's tough. It, it's always tough to think about these people as human beings. The, the weight of that um, was probably enormous. Right. You know, I mean, it, it, wasn't like, it wasn't like the country was established and healthy in 1789 when he took over. That's right. Some serious question about whether it was going to survive. So, you know, these, these, these people, they, they- I look forward to the day that we put all of this founding father trashing behind us and have some resurgence- uh, of the respect and honor and uh, for the role that they played. But, you know, that'll soon come, I hope. Well, on the other hand, you could look at it a different way, and that is he led directly to the current guy. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right, 1911. Goes. You're not going to guess this one. It's obscure. 1911. 1911 uh, on this day. Norwegian rolled Abbotson becomes the first explorer to go to, to the, Antarctica. the South Pole. South Pole, yeah. Beating his British rival. Yeah, Robert I want to guess Falcon that. Scott. Well, okay. Planted the flag of Norway on the South Pole of Norway. Yeah. Wow. I wonder how they defend that claim. And what do they do? Ski it to death? <laughs> I got one more. Yeah. In 1977. December 14, 1977. What the hell are you trying to sing? <laughs> uh, I'm going nowhere. Somebody help Oh, Saturday Night Fever? Boom! Saturday Night really? Fever premiered at a Los Angeles studio or a Los Angeles movie, movie theater. theater. Really? Yep. For this... some reason, I always have that as a summertime movie. Uh, nope. It came out and, of course... Okay. Uh, launched the career of a young John Travolta, John Travolta and blew up the Gibbs, right? The uh, most the BGs became like this friggin' phenom. It's the most depressing movie ever. Have you ever seen the thing? Oh, I've seen it. Lots it's a of terrible times. movie. It's oh, a- no, 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 no. Gene Siskel said it was his favorite film ever. It's a terrible movie. The late movie. Gene Siskel. It's an awful movie. And it's so. a terrible, it's an awful movie about terrible people, truthfully. <laughs> the movie's about the movie essentially is like Tony Monero is trying to get out of that thing. Hey. Come on. Don't touch the hair. Come on. All right. Um, 
We said we would get you some showing our age. Facts. About uh, they, it was still a great, <laughs> great soundtrack. It's still. good soundtrack, but the movie itself can't not listen to those songs. So yeah, we said we would get you some information last week, and here it is, ladies and gentlemen, the top recipients of Apple's yeah. political largesse. Yes, um, I'll go in order: yeah. the NC Services Corp, Charles E. Schumer. Yeah. Raphael Warnock. Shocker. Oh, then you have the NRCC sneaking in there. Of course. Little red line. The DCCC, Mark Kelly, Josh Riley, the D Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, Catherine Cortez Masto, Mandela Mandela Barnes, Zoe Lofgren, John Fetterman, Maggie Hassan, VoteVets.org, Democratic Party of Wisconsin, the next 50-pack, Val Demings, Josh Harder, Women Vote, Ro Khanna, Tim Ryan, Alyssa Slotkin, yeah. Chrissy Smith. Uh, we don't get another Republican. Uh, page two, no Republicans. Page three. Oh, Jim Jordan comes in at number, what, 150 or something at the end of that. How the hell so, did that sneak in? Oh, judiciary, sure. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, that's uh, a... Gives you a snapshot of the contributions uh, of said Apple company. That's terrible. That's embarrassing. Who does who reps who reps Apple here in town? Hey, if anybody knows who reps Apple here in town, have give us a call because we want to interview them. I want to I want to find out how they made those pack decisions like that wound up that imbalanced. That's awesome. I mean, that's like that's like teacher union kind of quality know, right? stuff right there. I had a clip of Gene Weingarten praising uh, F, uh, Biden as being more accomplished in two years than all of FDR's presidency. <laughs> You know, the good thing is, it, if that's true, and I don't think it is, but if it's true, the good news is I'm not going to live to see a Biden monument on the mall. I'm going to be dead before it happens. So that's probably good. All right. Uh, top story. This is breaking news as of yet. What? Yesterday? What? This is from the punch bowl. Oh, last uh, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. House Senate leaders reach deal on omnibus quote unquote framework. Yeah, they reached an agreement on a framework. Is how the, is how another headline put it. I was like, only in Washington, <laughs> only in Washington would that be a headline. Okay, McCarthy and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell have agreed with the Democrats um, on a spending deal, right? Well, there's, I'm not sure McCarthy's part of this deal. I, I, I what I read was that he's he's remained silent. Um, I don't think it matters, right? I think there's going to be a bunch of votes for it. Like I said, like I said last night, it's going to have 75 votes in the Senate. Okay. Um, I want to uh, give you a few of the details. And uh, and as we predicted, ladies and gentlemen, the Republicans have agreed to clear out the barn. Clear the decks. Clean out the barn. Clear the decks. We got to do this. Okay. Uh, one point is going to be $1.7 trillion. In spending, one point seven five, right? Trillion. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just that's uh, that's just on the domestic side. That's yep. on the non-defense side. Okay. They will uh, vote uh, to extend funding until the twenty third because they run out uh, Friday, uh, and then they will between now and the twenty third, ladies and gentlemen, in one week, two days before Christmas, about six or eight people are going to decide. 
how to allocate $1.7 trillion of your money. That's right. That's how miserably broken this process has become. Yeah, I mean, really, the two guys who are really going to do most of the work are Pat Leahy, who's been absent for most of this session because he's um, not well, and Richard Shelby, who's retiring, and... Rosa Delora, who is what, like... 400 years old. <laughs> yeah. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, this is the republic that you have all voted for. I just want to point that out to you. This is, this Shelby, who is retiring at the end of the Congress, said, if all goes well, we should be able to finish the <laughs> omnibus appropriations package by December 23rd. So It's nice. It's nice of him to do that. I like that. You know, it, at some point, somebody's going to ask, how come we can't do regular order? I'm not sure when that point's going to be, but... Um, well, I, I, the, uh, the other news is that there's a meeting, there are some meetings taking place. Senators, uh, who we spent a little bit of time talking about yesterday, Rick Scott, uh, Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, and others are sitting, um, getting together to discuss those kind of issues, right? And of course, as part of the concessions for Kevin McCarthy's desire to be speaker... Um, the Republicans are asking uh, to make sure that we don't do these these omnibus bills anymore. So we'll see how, how far it goes. But if history is the guide... We'll be right back here next yeah, December. Exactly. So, you know, the, the, the organization is completely horribly busted, and nobody apparently wants to say that. I don't understand why. Well, we say it here practically every week at the Unregulated Podcast. Because so. we have no respect for our own careers. <laughs> yeah, my career... Uh, track. Um, all right. Uh, here's the big news that we saved for this week. Yes. On Monday, December 12th, in the opinion section of the Washington Times, Mike McKenna, sure. I'm running to disrupt the RNC's broken status quo and fix what my opponents won't. Ladies and gentlemen, our own Michael McKenna is running for RNC chairman. It is official. He's in the race. In it to win it. Actually, I'm just in it to hold everybody accountable because otherwise they wouldn't be held accountable because they're basically all part of the problem. I've never seen an organ I've never seen a situation where 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 two people who take money out of an organization are running to head it up, like like somehow they're neutral, disinterested parties. Chairperson McDaniel, her 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 failings are are numerous and well documented, so I'm not going to go over them again here. But she took about seven hundred thousand bucks out of the operation last year. Her opponent, and I'm going to put that in quotes, Harmeet Dillon, right, is a lawyer from um, San Francisco, I think. The, her law firm took eight hundred and seventy-five thousand bucks out of the RNC this year. I'm not even sure that she's like actually running against the, the chairperson. I think the chairperson and her kind of cooked this up as a pressure valve for people who wanted to vote against the chairman. The whole thing is terribly corrupt. I have laid out a simple platform that I find to be unremarkable that everybody should agree with. I'll, I'll I'll tell you the important parts right now. I know we're I know we're on a clock. No, we aren't. This is. I promise this I, is significant. It, it's not breaking, a, uh, groundbreaking it's breaking, information yeah. that everyone, it's, everyone it's, out there who are listening, this is le a legitimate campaign. This is not a joke. No, this I, is a choice 
Not an echo. Not an echo. Look, here's the thing, right? The the platform's pretty simple. We need to we need to fire all the consultants and then rebuild from the ground up. We need to have transparency about not only what consultants were hiring, but who actually has business interests in them. Which committee men, if any, have business interests in the consultants that the RNC hires. I find that to be incredibly unremarkable, but you know what? You can't find any of that stuff out without really, really digging hard. Um, if we lose in 2024, if we uh, if we underperform, I commit to resign. Nobody's going to need – I'm not going to need an advisory council to say, hey, man, you're part of the problem, right? You should just have some, have some integrity. Resign. Um, now I'm going to take a dime out of the RNC and I call upon my challengers to do the same. I said, I'm not going to take a dime out of it, nor is any business interest that I have going to take a dime out of the RNC. That too seems like a minimum. It's a minimum, sport fans. It's a minimum. Um, finally, and most importantly, perhaps, we're going to have an agenda. We, we managed to wander around now for we're coming on seven years without anybody putting pen to paper about what we believe in. And I get it. That works for the Washington class because the last thing they want to do is have any kind of commitments, any metric you can judge them against. And I get it. It works for the RNC too because they don't have any metrics you can judge them against. But everybody else, you need to. we need to have some comprehensive sense of what do we actually want to accomplish? How in the hell you can accomplish something without knowing what it is you want to accomplish? You know, there's a, there's a saying in management consulting, right? If you don't know where you're going, you can get there any old way, right? It's only it's only if you're trying to go somewhere that you actually need to know how to get there. I'm, as you can tell, I am profoundly um, skeptical about the ability of the Republican National Committee to properly represent the donors, the volunteers, and the elected and appointed officials who are Republicans in this country. I, I don't understand why this is so difficult. In my own lifetime, we've had great chairmen. In my own lifetime, we've had great chairmen. That is no longer the case. And we welcome all of the candidates for RNC chairman to come on, Seriously, get on to the, the Unregulated Podcast and tell us why they should be chairman. We are all about equal time here at the Unregulated Podcast. It's, I, for one, have made my choice. If I were a committee man or woman... You would have my vote in a heartbeat, yeah. Mr. McKenna. Thank you. I get that from As a lot Einstein of As Einstein once noted, insanity is doing the same thing over and over <laughs> again and expecting a different result. And I am not the only one who feels this way. Oh, boy. A, a gentleman named John K. Lambert from Silver Spring, Maryland. Yes, my dear, there are conservatives <laughs> in Silver Spring, this Maryland. Poor, this poor guy's hunkered in a basement somewhere. John says in, in an LTE in the Washington Times, our our co-hosts here at the Unregulated Podcast, Mike McKenna would be an excellent chair. Were he to take on the position, there's no doubt he would be missed by Washington Times readers. So to the Times, if Mr. McKenna's aspiration comes to fruition, please hold his spot as a columnist after his tenure as RNC chair, because there is another vitally important leadership position to be filled by someone of Mike McKenna's caliber. Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives. This guy's got me losing elections all over the place <laughs> before I even start. I mean, okay. Anyone who knows any committee men or women, yes. I encourage you to reach yeah. out to them. That's right. Give Mr. McKenna a shake. Uh, he's not going to be sitting around over the holidays. He's going to be working here it's, for this it's, race. It's 
incomprehensible to me that you can do this without having a legitimate contest. And can I, before we go away, I just want to say one thing. My own committee member, Morton Blackwell, endorsed Harmeet without, like, before I got in the race, right? He endorsed Harmeet. And he, he talked about how she was a leader in conservative principles and all this other stuff. I'm like, dude, I'm like, dude, that's lovely. It's important. But you know what? It's a minimum. It's just some basic competencies in what you're actually getting paid to do. Raising money, polling, messaging, running campaigns, what you're actually getting paid to do. Not being a leader in conservative principles, not being a Twitter head. Sorry. Every once in a while I get agitated. No, this is very good. Go this is a welcome development. That's uh, a terrifying really, thing. I you really... should be scared about it. All right. Uh, let's move on yeah. to some energy. Yes. Energy news. Um, first, I want to play this clip. Last week at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California, scientists at the National Ignition Facility achieved fusion ignition. And that is creating more energy from fusion reactions than the energy used to start the process. It's the first time it has ever been done in a laboratory anywhere in the world. Simply put, this is one of the most impressive scientific feats of the 21st century. So today we tell the world that America has achieved a tremendous scientific breakthrough, one that happened because we invested in our national oh, okay. labs. We invested in fundamental research. <laughs> and tomorrow, Okay. 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 So let's just do the setup. All right. (laughs) This is from Politico. Uh, Secretary Jenny Jenny announced a major breakthrough at at a national lab here at the Department of Energy. Um. Fusion energy that is creating more energy than input. Yeah. Said energy into a fusion reaction. The uh, Lawrence Livermore lab. Yeah, Lawrence Livermore. In okay. Proof that f- the physics work, but future fusion reactors might turn to a different technology for replicating the energy that powers the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we want to talk about this? For I do. I, I want to talk about it, but yeah. I want to also read to you from... I've heard all I want to hear. An article from the NL Times. Yeah. Uh, Marco de Bar, a director of the Dutch Institute for Energy Research. Yeah. Interesting name. Sounds like the yeah, our institute. Is not sure about the claims of researchers in the United States who said they managed to achieve energy gains using nuclear fusion. A unit at the lab conducted tests where 192 laser beams were fired at hydrogen. It was exposed to 2.05 megajoules of energy for a fraction of a second, which is roughly equivalent to how much electricity a vacuum cleaner consumes in 45 minutes. It resulted in 3.15 megajoules of energy being released. However, it is still a net loss as it took 300 megajoules of energy to heat up the lasers. (laughs) Yeah. The yeah. researchers said it was a small test on a big scale and may result in bigger gains. Take mm. every hyped claim about a breakthrough with a grain of salt. This really is a long-term development. Nuclear fusion is a complicated puzzle and we don't even 
have a puzzle here yet, then it's easy to make claims, said DeBar, who has been skeptical. It's about the ratio of energy shot into the capsule and the energy released. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. I'm skeptical too. Hmm. And I was skeptical right out of the gate. Um, here's the, to, 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 to build on my Dutch friend who I'd never heard before. Um, in, in this country, at least in this country, in the English speaking world, Germanic speaking world as well, um, scientific breakthroughs usually are accompanied by, um, research documents that are reviewed by people that are considered peers. Sure. And basic. And the, so the, so the, um, and the work is replicated and replicatable. Mm -hmm. Now I get it, right? There's only a half handful of the fusion reactors floating around on this planet, right? So you know, it's tough to replicate. But long story short is scientific breakthroughs are not announced by the Department of uh, by the head uh, of the Department of Energy, Secretary of Energy, pitch for the in a sad, research in a sad and tragic attempt to bump up the funding for national laboratories. Yeah, this whole thing, this whole I, I had not heard Secretary Granholm say this. This whole thing is always has smelled bad from the beginning. The fact that she's like managed to this happened because we invested. Yeah, it. She's a. Well, I'm all for you know the next best thing, but. This stinks to high heaven. It's, period. It's, End of story. This ridiculous. is ridiculous. We we I I'm, I don't want to say we've been lied to, but I'm almost certain we've been propagandized. How about if we say it that way? Yeah. It didn't even do what it didn't even she do what they said they it did. It, 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 there's no net gain. I, right. This is what the Dutch guy said. Hey, there's no yeah. net gain when you take the, yeah. when you take system system energy into account. There's no net gain, and and that's where we've been on fusion for. I don't know. Yeah. Thirty five years. You know, years. it sounds good, and uh, right in the middle of trying to rush. Funding out the door for the IRA before the, the Republicans take over next year. If the Republicans, uh, et cetera, et cetera. If the, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. If the Republicans had a sense but, of humor, if the Republicans had a sense of humor, they'd say, "Great, now we can defund all that other crap." That's right. If I mean seriously, Jim Jordan, he's exactly the kind of guy who should do it. Just get up and say, "Great, we'll pour all the money into fusion. We'll throw all the stuff." This stuff out. It, and it was the, funny because on Twitter yesterday, all the renewable guys were like. Four step back, four steps back. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa! This we still got to do stuff. This is taking you know, with a grain of salt. Not going to happen for a hundred years. On top of that, Secretary Granholm's like, "Hey, we think in ten years this can happen." Really? Now, if that's the case, we should stop investing in all kinds that's of right. energy. That's right. And we don't need these EVs either because we'll just not stick gonna, a little rod. Not going to need EVs. The, We're not going to need oil right? and gas. We're not going to need any of this stuff. We're not going to need wind turbines. We're going to be like, woohoo, party! Sorry. The whole thing is the whole thing is is God. <laughs> grain of salt, ladies and gentlemen. So grain hard. of salt. I think so that's hard not the, the title of our podcast. So hard not to hate this town. All right. Okay. So we mentioned briefly last week that uh, the Bezos Post had a little climate confab. I'd like to sh play a couple of highlights if you'll indulge oh, yeah, me. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, here yeah. we Sorry. go. This one is from. Who'd you like to go first? I whichever one of the old guys you got. Climate envoy. Special agent, pick your pick your Massachusetts. Special K, John pick, Kerry, pick or, your Massachusetts okay. resident. <laughs> All right, hold on. And and so everything has to accelerate, and and by you know vast amounts, we have to be deploying renewables six times faster than we are today. We have to be deploying electric vehicles about twenty times faster than we are today. If you're going to keep the Earth's temperature at one point five degrees of increase, right. and of course he commented on the breakthrough 
at the most recent COP in Egypt uh, about about an agreement to transfer wealth from rich nations to poor nations, uh, (laughs) a.k.a. climate reparations. So back on the loss and damage fund, though, I mean, is there going to have to be U.S. taxpayer money that helps the United States? Presumably the United States is going to have to be one of the nations that contributes. Well, it would be to great if there were some. Uh, <clears throat> it's, uh, I mean, the United States of America proudly is the largest humanitarian donor in the world. That's inaccurate. That's completely and utterly inaccurate. Uh, I, I I know because that's a damn lie. It's that it's, it's inaccurate enough that it's a damn lie. Our, it's our flock. That's right. That happens to be the largest. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The Roman Catholic Church the is, is the largest humanitarian donor in the organization on the planet. <laughs> Not the United States of America. But Sorry. I ask John just as he's leading by example with his personal carbon footprint. Maybe he'll sell one of his yachts and give that for reparations. I think he should lead by example. Hell yeah. Give up. Sit, just sell some of your and land, should, buddy. Much like Jesus has asked us to do, give it all up. Sell all your shit. And give sell it, it all. Ah. I, you know, we should ask him that on when he resigns later on this year. All right. And so um, in uh, not to be outdone. Not to be outdone. Here's our other senator from Massachusetts. And in, in my opinion, there are, there are several things we could really do that would, would change the trajectory. And um, uh, the, the, uh, the folks at MIT, as you probably know, built a model saying, okay, what things that we do will actually reduce emissions, reduce temperatures, or hold temperatures from going up as fast as they have been? What, what can we do? And the number one thing, and frankly, the only thing that had a major impact was having a price on carbon, mm-hmm. a carbon tax either through well, through a whole series of mechanisms, but a carbon tax of some kind, price on carbon with border adjustment taxes, that's the only thing that has a significant impact. Thank God. It just happens to also make money for the federal government. What a quinky dink. Let's vote. Um, Let's vote. Two things before we decide whether we feel like voting or not. The MIT guys came up with an actual number. They didn't just like say, hey, we need a carbon tax. Number looked like seven bucks, um, seven, 700 yeah, bucks a about, ton. Yeah. So $7, basically, seven. it would be an additional $7 per gallon for gasoline. Um, Bringing the total up to what? Like 10, 10, 10 and change? Yeah, 10 bucks. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's not just like, hey, it's 10 cents. Uh-uh. It's, it's, it's what the Biden administration's carbon price is times three and a half. So, so that's one. And then two is, um, I'm so tired of this conversation. Vote. Let's vote. You know what, John? Senator Kerry, Senator, whatever the hell your name is, Willard, Senator Romney. Climate envoy, special climate envoy. He's no longer a senator. If you guys want money for reparations, if you guys want a carbon tax, you guys want a carbon border adjustment, whatever you want to call it, write it up and put it on the floor and let's vote on it. Let's vote. Why are we still talking if it's such a good idea? Much like the Inflation Reduction Act, it could be, in the words of our press secretary. And I think that matters, right? Bicarmel, bipartisan support was had for this uh, piece of legislation. By the way, I love bicarmels. They're like my favorite candy. (laughs) Is it Werther's? Is that your favorite? Or the Rolos? Rolos. I love Rolos. (laughs) (laughs) I never heard bicarmel support. That's a new one. 
for uh, for any kind of legislation. We, we should, let's let carbon taxes be the first, let's shall vote. we? Let's vote. You know what? Alex and Dave and everybody else is doing this in the shadows. Let's just vote, right? And it, you know what? If we win, great. We'll have a great big giant party and you guys can go away. And if you win, we'll have a great big giant party and we'll go away. But it's time to stop fooling around on this. It's just ridiculous. Let's get some clarity. I mean, after record. all, um, let me get on record first. I'm opposed our to carbon ability taxes. to see what can be what can be is unburdened by what has been. Seriously, forget what has been. Let's talk about what's, <laughs> what will be. You know what? We should maybe uh, ask, we should ask maybe we should ask the African leaders now they're in town if they're in favor of carbon taxes. Uh, let's do it. Let's go we'll walk outside and just pick start, one of the do a survey. Yeah, pick one of the uh, what are they? Those motorcades that are probably get machine gunned by some itchy secret service. Okay, guy. so here's a uh, here's an article from CNBC. This was um, yesterday. Yeah, I uh, didn't understand. No, two days ago. I didn't understand this the way this got written at all. Stellantis, yeah, Chrysler. to indefinitely idle Jeep plant. Yeah. Layoff workers to cut costs for EVs. So this was last Friday. Sorry, Detroit. Salandis said Friday, this is Jeep Chrysler, said Friday that plans to indefinitely idle a Jeep plant in Illinois starting early next year to cut costs as it invests in electric vehicles. They didn't actually say that. The transatlantic automaker said the plant will cease production as of February 28th. The more than 1,200 workers at the facility, which produces Jeep Cherokee SUVs will be placed on indefinite layoffs. Yeah, they're going to get they're going to close. And then their quote was Here's the quote. Yeah, and well, this is oh, this, yeah. this is why it's important. Our industry the- has been adversely impacted by a multitude of factors like the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and the global microchip shortage. But that I understand. The most impactful challenge is the increasing costs related to the electrification of the automotive market. Then why the company described the idling it? as difficult but necessary action. It is working to identify other opportunities to repurpose the facility and has no additional details to share at this time. UAW President Ray Curry describes the idling of the plan as grossly misguided, unacceptable, especially during this time of the year. It's better to get fired in May. Um, it, it, I don't understand what they're trying to tell me. I, I really don't. Well, Jeep has always been one of the biggest opponents of all of this because yeah. they can't change the yeah. shape yes. of their vehicle, which is not fuel efficient. I, I'm sure. Right? Who cares? Uh, what I That's don't, one thing. Yeah, but I don't understand what they're trying to tell me. Are they trying to tell me that that we need switching our fleet over to electrics is too costly. And I don't get any of this. I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? Because if you're trying to tell me, look, like the federal government is like, we're afraid they're going to do something stupid. Okay. But right now there's no electrification mandate in America. None of that. Well, I mean, it's kind of an implied mandate, right? No, it's it's, no such thing as an implied mandate. Okay. Let me rephrase. Um, Yeah. It's, it's out there. Yeah. It's in the water. But you know what? See, this is where this is where if like if something's going to cost you a bunch of money and thirteen hundred employees and make you close a factory, most normal companies would be like, "Hey, let's fight back on that." They yeah, would, they wouldn't. Well, be like, that's they wouldn't the, be like the well, biggest you, flaw with all of this, right? I, I found that I found I read three write ups on that. I read that quote like four, five, eight times. 
I didn't understand any of it. They have the worst PR team in America. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I just thought it was interesting that they blamed the layoffs on EVs. And so. me too. And I'm, and that's why I wanted to, yeah. I wanted more. I'm like, what are you telling me? I don't understand what you're telling me. Okay. Uh, what I'm telling you is I've got one more segment. That's okay. I got one more too. And so you go and then we'll close out with All right. mine. All right. So um, this is, I'm going to write this. I'm going to write this. There's been a lot of... Um, there been a lot of talk about the election. Obviously, some of it's been um, some of it's been me. Um, um, some of it's originated with me. But I just wanted to um, offer some clarity about about a couple of things because because the AP did a nice analysis. AP Votecast did well, a nice analysis. You ship that over to Alex. You can put it in the show notes of you. of the youth vote. And I want to point out a couple of things about this election that nobody really has thought much about. One is is that the Republicans won the total. Uh, national House vote by about three percent, two and a half percent, three million votes. That's the second time they've done that, right? They did it in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty two. It's the first time they've done it in back to back years, at least in the last hundred years. Um, inside the numbers, the from twenty eighteen through to twenty twenty two, the Democrats lost ground with blacks, with Hispanics, with Asian Americans, um, with all demographics except for unmarried women where they've essentially stayed same, right? They were plus 35 in 2018 or plus 37 this go around. I mention it because um, the AP did this thing on youth vote and everybody's like, oh, the youth broke against this, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. Let me just run the numbers real quick for you. In 2018, the youth vote identified as those between the ages of 18 and 30. Um, you mean the, the, the targets of the payola of the uh, yes. student loan it, bail, it, uh, it, bailout forgiveness? In 2018, they were plus 30 for the Democrats. It was 64-34. They were plus 30 for the Democrats in 2018. In 2020, that segment was plus 25. In 2022, that segment was plus 12. I mention this because... Um, it's important to understand why the Republicans lost. The Republicans didn't lose because of ballot harvesting or this, that, or the other thing. The reason why they lost is because Republicans turned out more than Democrats, but more Republicans rejected certain candidates. They split their tickets. Um, and the most obvious case of that was in Georgia, right, where where everybody on the ticket won by seven, eight points. And the um, Senate candidate lost by 36,000 votes on election day, right? And then subsequently lost in the runoff. Um, again, I'm not doing this to throw rocks at anybody. I'm simply pointing out two things. One, if you're a Democratic strategist, you do not walk away from this election feeling better about yourself. You walk away thinking the only thing that saved us was some questionable choices on candidates among the Republicans. Um, and Well, in, and, in part. Almost entirely. Well, I, not in I part, mean, they had bad entirely. candidates too. That's right. right. But you know what? They stayed. They none I of mean, their guys can, broke. Anyone argue that John Fetterman wasn't a bad Those, candidate? You know what? Yeah, sure, he won. So by definition, he wasn't a bad candidate. He was better than the other candidate. Um, Understood. I'm not trying so, to be confrontational. No, I know. I just, I know. I'm just saying. I, I, I'm saying what I'm saying to you is is that you know, we have finally sharpened this pencil enough on this campaign. What happened was we had a bunch of Republicans who rejected candidates. And that's just, we could, we could think about all different kinds of ways that, that that would work, but it's the truth. Laxalt, Walker, Oz, um, 
Carrie Lake, they were just flat out rejected by Republican voters, by some segment of Republican voters. And that's that. And Fetterman was not rejected by Democratic voters. And again, we could talk about, well, Democrats are more team oriented or whatever. True or false. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Democratic strategist, so I'm not worried about it. Yeah. What I am saying is, is that um, you know, it's now down to it's not turnout, it's not young people, it's not women, it's not blacks, it's not Hispanics, it's not this, it's not that. What it is is they just didn't want to vote for the three candidates, three or four candidates we put up. That's okay. It happens. Like I said, the other thing is if you're a Democratic strategist, it is easy to fix a candidate quality problem. Just pick different guys. Pick a better RNC chairman. Pick a better RNC chairman. It is very, very difficult to solve foundational problems, and the Democrats now have foundational problems. And I absolutely agree with that part of it as well. I think that this was not a good cycle for Democrats. Uh, It was under no circumstances. They have masked the the very unpopular agenda that they have with this whole mega, mega – you know, preserving democracy yeah. and stuff. And, and well, they don't have Trump to mess around with anymore. And and again, we I've talked about this. Uh, I've said this in my in my memo uh, that I lifted a lot from you. Um, the Republicans have to choose whether to accept Donald Trump again or reject Donald Trump. Because yeah. if the Republicans reject Donald Trump, the Democrats can't use Donald Trump as a foil any longer. Right. They will anyway. They'll try, they will but anyway. it will be clear and obvious that the Republicans are ready to move on to something yeah. else yeah. I mean, while holding on to sort of the Trump-ism, the Trump, the Trump right. agenda it, it, to some extent. So, And I don't blame anybody for the candidate quality other than the process. I mean, these guys, all of these guys I'm talking about won their primaries. Yes, you but know, how do you? What do you? What do you do there? I mean, well, the, you, the, the you, primary voters you, have spoken. You, you right? try, so, right? I mean, it's just it, it. It. I have no solution, right? It's just everybody always gets wrapped around an axle I think about, better about Trump and this, that, and the other. Across thing. the I'm board, like, I think better people should run for office, right? Right. Everybody forgets. Truthfully, Herschel so. Walker was going to win that primary with or without Trump. So was Paul Laxalt. So was Carrie Lake. Yeah. What's his name? Oz is the only guy who got who got overtaken by you know who got who got pulled over the finish line by Trump. That was obviously a mistake. The rest of it, eh, it is voters are going to do what voters do, right? They're going to vote. Sorry, it's just. And it, but one thing we can both agree on: we agree on everything. This was not the most important election of our lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing we can agree on is the next one won't be either. God, let's hope. Right? Let's hope not. <laughs> that, that phrase has just got to go. Seriously, I'm done with man, it. Most of okay. Um, can we move on? It's a historic election. Yes. Okay. It's a historic election. Okay. I spent a little time putting a list together. Uh-oh. Am I going to like this? Of, in my opinion, the 10 best Christmas movies of all time. And I want to see whether you and I, uh, where we agree and where we differ and whether or not your list even though you haven't had time to put one together, uh, differs. So I'm going to start with Miracle on 34th Street. Which one? The original one. The the one, Maureen O'Hara, that one? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's on your list. A Christmas Story. Yes. This is not in order. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Yes. A Christmas Carol in... With George C. Scott. Yes. The 1984 version. The yes. 1984 version. Yes. It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. We don't, do we need to explain any more than no. that? It should be pretty no. self-evident. No. 
Okay, now this is probably where we're going to start diverging. <laughs> Bad Santa. No. Oh, such a good movie. No. Such a good movie. I'm a hard no. Okay, hard no. Is it? That's the one with the Billy. Billy, Bob? yeah, no, Billy Bob. No, oh, no, no movie with him. No. Yeah, no, it's so funny. No, the kid in that movie no. is hilarious. No, I'm a hard okay. no. Like every, like every other, like every real American, I'm a hard no. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, yeah. You know, can I set that to the side? I might, I might yeah, have, yeah. I might have space at the end for you that can one. Set that to the side. Home Alone. Uh, yeah, it's not my cup of tea, but I, people like it. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're together on that one. Okay. Then I have um, Trading Places. No. It's not a Christmas movie. It's, it's a, a Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. It's not. It's, it's absolutely it's a Christmas not. movie. It's not. It's not. Okay. So we're, we're, we're off that. Um, a Charlie Brown Christmas. The movie or the TV special? The, well, I- I kind of no, went back you, and forth you, on yeah, that. No, like we'll a TV it, special. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 absolutely. And then last and certainly not least, Die Hard. No. And Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Die Hard's Despite what my daughter Atia uh, says incessantly and argues with me about you Die need Hard to listen to your kid. is a Christmas movie. It's not a movie. Christmas movie. It, it, just because something occurs at Christmas time does not make it a Christmas movie. Okay, so we... Let's see. One, two, three, four. I would probably pick. We had about six or seven. I would put any three random Hallmark movies in there as better than Bad Santa and that other thing. Trading Places. Then Trading Places and, and Die Hard. Vacation. Yeah. Look, you want to know what a Christmas movie is? Go tune into like. Now, Polar Express people like, but I wasn't no, a big fan. No. So. No. All right. So I have some runners oh, up. Oh, yeah. To... No, actually, let me. Let, Christmas Carol, Alistair Sim in 1951. That should be on the list, too. The 1951 Alistair Sim version. Okay. So you got any sort of various, any various version of A Christmas Carol is what you're, what about Scrooged with Bill Murray? No. No? Okay. Not a, not a Bill How Murray How about The Nightmare John. Before Christmas, Tim Burton? No. No? Hard no. Okay. Uh, these are some runners up. Christmas with the Cranks. No. <laughs> God almighty. <laughs> Stuff people watch, man. Okay. And then, of course, these aren't technically movies, but I have to watch Rudolph. No. Frosty. No. The Little Drummer Boy. Which yes. Is yes. Like best. And then um, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. No. The cartoon version. No. Those I have to. Those no. Are in the, no. They're not technically. Movies, I'll make it but. simple. The two, the two, the two cartoon ones you want. Well, one stop animation. The other cartoon. Little Drummer Boy and um, Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one too. Those are the but best. Frosty's got to be in there. So, so let's review. No, it doesn't. Yes. It's it nothing does. to do with Christmas. There's literally no religiosity in Frosty uh, the okay, Snowman. The, I, I get it, but it doesn't. I mean, it's still pretty fun. Um, no, it's not. It's stupid. <laughs> it's it's idiotic. Okay, so no. So and anyone I anything I miss. I'm just sitting here. Anyone that I miss here trying, there? Yeah, I'll probably think of it in about four hours. I'm sitting here trying to think. Is there anything we missed? I don't. Yes. Yes. What did I miss? The first. Um, the first episode, I guess nowadays we call it an episode, the first segment of Jesus of Nazareth. The first two hours where they go through the birth, oh, okay, and the wise sure. men and all of that. Mm -hmm. That's a really great, great, I mean, first off, it's got James Earl Jones as yeah. a wise man. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's got some guys who like. That, yeah, you're right. I did miss that. You know, one. it's got Christopher I, Plummer. I, I, I agree with you. Christopher just... Plummer as Herod the Great as Herod. It's got, it's yep. got some, it's got some guys who choose scenery. Um, yeah, that that's the only one I can think of that 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 I'd add. I got to think about this. 
Like I said, any random Hallmark movie. Gotcha. All right, I'm good. You good? Hot cocoa for Christmas. Hot cocoa for Christmas. I can't remember. Um, I am. We are not going to be here next week. We're going to take the week off and enjoy our holidays and hope you do as well. Merry Christmas, everybody. We will resume the Unregulated Podcast before New Year's. Peace out. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>